Oh, Lord, White Sox fans, here we are. It, we promised we, we have to come through. <laughs> we promised a post-game podcast, and we got to deliver. This includes 100% of the writers for today's debauchery of an opening day game, and that would be Christina Erdo and <laughs> myself, if you see the wear and the age on my face. Yes, indeed, it's because not one but two stories penned by me on this horrible, horrible day. And, of course... Just because, well, because actually she avoided driving all the way up to Chicago to see this game. She's smart. She acted on her instinct to say, no, son, I'm sorry. We cannot go yet. The weather's miserable. We'll probably be out in the parking lot until like the fourth inning. Uh, so let's not go to this game. Uh, turned out to be a wise choice because it wasn't a very good opener. Melissa Sage, but salty Sage Molenbach for this uh, podcast and Christina Erdo. Uh, who is on the six-pack for us. Uh, hello, I'm Brett Ballantini. I had to write two stories, and I am none too happy about it. Anyhow, listen, White Sox got crushed 12-3. to 3. At one point, it was 7-3, to 3, and Jason Minetti seemed to really feel like there was hopes of a ninth-inning comeback. That was squashed really quickly by, I can't really tell who the position player pitching is anymore. We know that Jose Ruiz used to be a catcher, and now he's a pitcher. But boy, he he pitched like a catcher. Today, and Hanser Alberto actually, I guess, probably, oh yeah, he definitely had a better line in getting the White Sox out of out of that game. <laughs> okay, initial impressions. Uh Christina, you were on the uh on the coverage, so I guess you had to you know, like, I don't know, watch it closely or something. But uh, you know, pff, impression other than the fact that you need uh, some Tums or Peptid or something right now. Yeah, that was uh that performance was wild um with all those home runs. Uh I Kopech came out in that first inning and he went one, two, three. He struck out two batters back to back, including uh Lamont Wade and uh Conforto, who RIP maybe would have been a Sox at some point, but that's forever ago at this point. Um <laughs> yeah, so the one, two, three there was great and then I don't know what happened. Everything pretty much just went off the rails. And the fourth inning, he seemed to, whatever control he had maybe gotten back in the end of the second inning and the third inning, um, went out the window. I mean, four home runs in one inning. That was like, that was crazy. I haven't seen that in some time. Um, yeah. That, that, uh, that first turn, I mean, 11 pitches, uh, he mixed in that crazy changeup. Yeah. Um, he seemed to be mixing pitches. I think he got up to, I'm mean, sure it maybe was just like the mojo of opening day, but I think he got up to 97 with the fastball. So, I mean, that, that's a range you want to see. He looked, I mean, he looked like he listened to our pregame podcast, which said, Hey, he's going to cut through the giants like butter, five easy innings. He's going to go out like, you know, one, two, three hits, maybe a run. And he's going to be a hero. That didn't turn out that way. Melissa, you're salty. Um, you know, I know you've had some time to, you know, some deep breaths, maybe uh, got a little um, pre-podcast yoga in, but um, I imagine your impressions are somewhat similar. Yes. Um, <laughs> we talked last night about this Giants offense being like, ah, Kopech's not going to have any problem with this Giants <laughs> offense. And boy, oh boy, did he have problems with this Giants offense. But I think, honestly, it could have been any offense. I mean, he was just all over the place after, like Christina said, after that, you know, kind of second and third inning seemed to be a little shaky. But, I mean, he just, he went off the rails and he just, he couldn't get it back in. And then, as we always do, we just left him up, hang it, yeah, hang it off and try. Yep, yep. work through it, work through it. You're good, you're good. We know you're not fragile or anything. Just get through it. So yeah, it was boy, oh boy. It was one of the worst home openers, like in recent memory that I can dig through and think about like, oof, 
Yeah, we're going to spend our time as one of the three of us is talking. The other two will be thinking about, geez, can I remember? I mean, maybe, maybe there's a game, but boy, an opener is going to be hard. If we come up with one, we will hit you with it at the end without doing a, a, a stat dive. Uh, but boy, I don't think any of our guts say that home or road op- or overall road opener. I'm not, I can't think, I can't think of one. Not to Pedro Grafalit, not to Ethan Katzit, as Melissa said, sort of hung him out. I mean, I know you can't just, you know, you can't powder his ass, you know, he's, he's a major leaguer, right? But I mean, that was interesting. Um, so let, let's not necessarily take that route, but let's stick with Kopech here because there's a lot to talk about in this game. Let's stick with Kopech. Uh, because we saw the stats that said this was his third game of four home runs. And my immediate reaction to hearing that in broadcast was, hold on, he hasn't had that many starts. So let's check it. 34 games start in his career. And that is up to date. So that is, what is it? Three, three of almost 33% of his starts. He has coughed up four home runs. Uh, his ERA right now career stands at 386. Again, not burying the guy we need him, and let's hope this is an, an, an easy one to shower off, and um, next week he gets right back out at it. But is is this the guy? Is this guy a little more fragile than we'd like or that maybe he was advertised uh, coming over in the trade for? Is he a guy that, who knows, down the line is not going to be suited for six, seven innings, but um, shorter outings? I mean, are are we as Sox fans, you know, what we saw in the spring, are, are we in any sort of denial about what this guy can be? Or is this just a matter of somehow finding a way to tinker and readjust? Because Ethan Katz supposedly is the guy. But, you know, we've seen some mixed results. Giolito doesn't seem to have the Katz magic anymore. So I don't know. Is this who Kopech is? That was tough. I mean, <clears throat> so you had mentioned the changeup too. That was pretty much the only pitch that was re- like remotely effective in a sense. It was the only pitch that they didn't hit a home run off. So uh, <laughs> that's I don't a know. sad way to determine effectiveness, but yeah. very good. Well, exactly. <laughs> and today the bar is pretty low. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe Ethan Katz can take some of these learnings and figure out what needs to happen here, but I don't know if it's, a lot of it looked like he maybe wasn't hitting his spots, really. Uh, some of those were kind of oh hanging on the plate. Oh I mean, so you're pretty much asking to be taken out of the park at that point. So yeah. I think I think maybe it could be like first game jitters. I know he's he kind of struggled a little bit in spring training. He was maybe sick or whatever it was. And um, last year he was injured. So I don't know. Maybe it's like home opener. Everyone expects a lot out of me. And then he just foiled. I don't know. But I, I like you said, I hope he can just kind of – roll this one off and keep going for the next one because we, we need him. (laughs) Like our pen is really rough and the starting pitching seems to be the only thing that's right now holding that together. So uh, we need a, we need a healthy and fully operative Michael Kopech. Yeah. Not to be meathead like, Oh man, he's whatever 26 year old, how early is, you know, he's old enough. He shouldn't be going through this. Listen, I, you know, everybody's different and and sure, sure, sure. This was Christian mania. I'd be like, okay, he's 20 years old. I'm like, you know, you got called from double a. Oh, of course jitters. Oh, that was, that Oh, poor guy. I mean, Kopech has been through this force, so it's a little tough to, to kick glove him too much. Although, what choice you have? The White Sox have no stars. They better kick glove him because they need this guy for 120 at least. If not, I mean, I'm guessing they're hoping for a lot more, but it didn't work out too well so far. Okay, Melissa, you've been through a roller coaster today because Michael Kopech was, uh, again, certainly not calling you out here, but I mean, you did make a, you went against the grain and said, hey, listen, I think Kopech. I'm going to get on the Kopech train here. I think he is really going to be, I mean, you said MVP, but clearly you had a feeling that he was going to do what we're hoping he's doing. And by no means does one start ruin that. Uh, but how are you feeling about him right now? <laughs> I, 
I feel with Michael, like we have just treated him with kid gloves for so long, you know, sit out COVID and we got to, you know, put him in the bullpen and then work him up. I mean, at what point, if we're not getting what we're expecting out of him, and again, yes, one start, so we're not going to throw him in the bullpen already, Mm -hmm. but like at what point with him do we pivot and and try something else but I guess we can't really when the only options that we have in AAA are Tanner Banks and Sean Burke and yeah. I mean guys who are you know just a bigger crapshoot yeah, sure yeah just I mean yeah that's it, not like that's going to solve the problem so I think again Han has pretty much put us in the place where we're forced to see how this is going to work out, even if it implodes in our face. And I think that that's a really frustrating place to be because I think we were all thinking, well, starting pitcher five is probably going to be our worst problem this year. And now if starting pitcher five and starting pitcher four are Mm -hmm. problems, then I don't know what, where that, where that leaves us doesn't, doesn't make me feel real positive about where, where we're going. Yeah. Going in the season, you think, okay, uh, on paper, I mean, the whole, you know, redacted aside, you know, whatever, but okay, just uh, physically, okay, that that's, that's a pitcher who could give you innings. I mean, I guess technically you would kid yourself into saying, okay, on paper, if you didn't see any names next to the stats, you'd say, okay, this uh, certainly pre Johnny Cueto signing, this is a slightly more fortified rotation. Again, in a contention window, I'm just not sure how... The dereliction of duty as a GM, this is. I know there's a lot of pushback, even within our group. Darren Black, somebody who likes to point out a lot, like why nobody has a sixth starter. Nobody has a they, somebody's going to sign up to be your guy in Charlotte in AAA. Well, I understand you're not going to have six all stars in your rotation, uh, but the idea that the White Sox really sort of have apologies to Davis Martin, nothing, certainly nothing proven to say, hey, one guy goes down, one guy's ineffective we can slide you in. And at that point, even if Davis Martin comes up, then there really isn't anything. Maybe a couple months in, Sean Burke proves he's a guy who can come up. The White Sox, arguably, because Jenny Cueto's not walking through the door, so the White Sox, we may find arguably have a worse and weaker rotation. That's with Lance and healthy from the start of the season uh, than last year. And that's that's frightening because it does put us in a position where Kopech really has to deliver. That's not going to make pressure less. We can, as Christina said, you know, the pressure of opening day, that's not going to make the pressure on him any less when he's like, well, it's, it, you know, it's me or nothing. Uh, this really was about <laughs> first. I mean, really on both ends, offense wasn't really anything to speak of. Although, hey, I guess they didn't, you know, they didn't leave so many cuts on base. Yeah. Um, runners on base. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was a, it was an all around um, rough, rough game. Um, let's flip it before a break. We'll talk, I'm sure we'll get back to the, the negative again. Were there things in this game that you saw uh, that you could take away and feel okay about? That's a real challenge, but I'm going to challenge you early on. Um, I could take some easy ones here. Uh, Luis Robert in the outfield or the, uh, the outfield as a whole. Um, I mean, it's really nice having people that actually play the positions playing out there. Um, but he's just been phenomenal. I mean, that catch today was unreal. He robbed the home run so casually that it didn't even look like he robbed the home run. And then after I watched it, I was like, holy shit, like that was for sure going to be over the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's been fantastic. Um, Yoan Moncada, he, wasn't as clutch today as he was. He did ground out in the double play, but I mean, he's still showing that power, another extra base hit today. Um, and Andrew Vaughn coming in clutch again. So, I mean, there were still some, some good call outs there for sure. Um, they did go one for seven with runners in scoring position. Um, but that's kind of just been the name of the game right now. 
<laughs> yeah, and and Vaughn, um, milk toast as he is, you know, getting a little feisty. That was interesting, if nothing else. Uh, I don't forget who said it on the broadcast. I don't know if it was Steve. It might have been Jason. Um, that uh, Robert pulling that ball in almost in a sly way, like. He he almost wanted the base runner so he could maybe double him off because you did see him bring it down and he he got it in with a hard throw and fast. I mean, you almost wonder if he was somehow trying to dupe the runner into running himself in a double play by oh no, you know, you know, jogging the rest of the way through thinking it was a home run. The guy is crafty, and I don't know what that weird blip in his defense was because he went from gold glove to huh? And that wasn't just all like having one arm, although it didn't help, but you know, that started before the arm. But boy, to see him back, he could hit. He could hit 200. He'd keep chasing the crazy sliders, and he's a plus player for the Sox because, as we saw with the with the catch uh, in the finale of Houston, I mean, he covers. He's. I mean, even though we have a supposedly real left fielder uh, now and not Aloy, he still covers all of, you know, left field's ground. I mean, he basically, you know, he he, he ran up to Benintendi and gave him a kiss and then made a catch. I mean, you know, Benintendi, you know he, he ran 15 feet, and he's like, well, he watched the play. He had a great <laughs> great view of the play uh positives uh melissa so my biggest positive taking away from today is the message from liam Hendricks. he in his last his last treatment for chemo and he looks great and he sounds great and i mean that just that just made my day hearing from him and that he's in the last legs of his journey because it's a really long and you know difficult Mm -hmm. journey and so that to me um, made me feel hopeful that, you know, even if he doesn't come back for baseball this year, that at least he is mm-hmm. heading in the direction of, of healing. And, uh, wow. so that was really, that was really positive for me. Um, Jake Diekman actually came in and like, I mean, <laughs> totally no pressure, right? Melissa, but- let me ask you, how sad is it when your pitching line, when you got to say the best pitching performance today <laughs> was Jake? Deekman. Good positive though, but wow. Yes. Yes. It was very painful. It was when I was writing my notes, I was like, Jake Deekman looked decent. Yeah. I have to give him credit. Um, Jimmy Lambert didn't look great, but he did get it done. Um, and yeah, so, so I, I picked out a few positives, but the biggest one being, being Liam. So. Yeah, no, that's a good one. And I mean, not that you're ever going to, you're never going to write the script this way, but even him being able to come back, say he's not able to even get back into shape, but he's able perhaps to be good enough to be traveling or just, just in the clubhouse for home games, the the lift that that could give guys, I mean, it's hard to measure. Of course, you're never going to play it or strategize it that way, but the situation's been dealt and the, and the White Sox could reap better. His, his, you know, his brothers in the clubhouse could really reap a benefit from that. And I'm sure they have been all along just knowing that, you know, this, this guy, they're so concerned about, you know, is he's been, you know, he's been throwing punches all the way. And I mean, we keep getting the message. It was like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I thought he was on step, you know, step three. He's on step 10. What's going on? You see him and he's just looking like he's, he, of course, every time you see him, he's ready to get out there and pitch. And I'm sure he's like, I want to get out there and pitch. Uh, so, yeah, that is, you know, again, for your home opener, you know, uh, um, not, not, not great when that's your only highlight, but uh, that's really the most important one. So, it's super cool to, and it's it's great that he's conveying it and he's speaking directly to fans. He's like, hey, you know, 
you know, see you in a few weeks or whatever. That's just, that's wonderful. So, uh, all right. Well, I mean, I guess we're gonna have to drive back and then again at some point, let's take a break. We can pause, uh, listen to a, a quick run of yoga. You know, Christina can kind of just figure out what she needs. You scream into a pillow. Uh, I'll do, I'll, I'll cannonball into the pool and come back out, be cooled off and we'll talk. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll brace for the, the talk about the game some more and maybe the rest of this series where the White Sox go back down the road. Hang with us on the post game podcast for just one minute. Hey, White Sox fans. Yep, uh, you still are White Sox fans? That is awesome. You're joining us for this, so I guess you are. Good. Don't let one horrible, atrocious, depressing, sad, tragic game scare you off your fandom. That's silly. Come on. We're here. If we're here, the least you can do is show up, listen, watch, subscribe, whatever. It's Sox Populi. We are here on the Post Game Podcast. Christina Erdo, who did the six-pack of stats. Melissa uh, Sage Bolenbach, just smiling politely. And taking notes, though, taking notes, um, uh, two of our core writers uh, who did not expect to be writing or having to attend uh, games this sickening early. Because, listen, we, we've already been we've been we got sucker punched by the Houston series, led in every game against the world champions, competitive. Hey, it could have been 4-0. And then look what happens. We come home against the also rans that the Giants were at 500 like us last year. And they just handed it to us uh did you see in this game what you needed to i mean it's pretty hard to show life when you're just getting your head beat in uh were there any other um were there signals positive or negative in this team was there something to be said for them fighting back to even get within four runs uh positives negatives in terms of how you saw the team respond to the fact that Kopech just really didn't have it and sort of gave up this game I think that the offense could have helped him out sooner. I mean, they only got three hits against uh, the starter for the Giants. So, like, that wasn't helpful for anybody either. Um, So they definitely didn't capitalize on any of those positions or situations that they got themselves in. And that hurt them a little bit because once they did start hitting, it was, like, kind of too late. Um, And then the bullpen continued to implode. So it was just like, well, I guess I should say Jose Ruiz (laughs) Um, because that grand slam was pretty much like the nail in the coffin, even though um, four run comeback in the ninth would have been really difficult. But uh, some positives there, like they didn't really give up. I would say like they kept trying to get hits. They did get hits. They got on base. Um, But they, like I said, they were one for seven in scoring position. So it just didn't help. They weren't scoring all those runs. The least Robert Homer was great. Too bad. No one else was on base. (laughs) So there was some positives, but I don't know. I think it was just kind of an off game all around and they just need to take the L and move on. (laughs) I mean, this is a, this is a, you know, not, not, not six pack of stats writing for you here, Christina, but this is as unique a line score as you're going to see. You got seven home runs given up by White Sox pitching, eight walks, Nine strikeouts. Not that 19 strikeouts would have made it like a much better or different game if you're giving up seven home runs, but just the combination of numbers you're not usually going to see. Uh, in this day and age, the idea that you have almost a one-to-one ratio of strikeouts to walk against an offense. This wasn't the Astros. This is against an offense that, all right, maybe they're not as bad as we we had said uh, earlier today, Melissa, but... Uh, I mean, come on, you know, it's not, you know, it's not all pro offense either uh, is pretty frightening. Um, what, what did you see in this, Melissa? Were there positives or negatives to be taken out of maybe the the response to, to, to getting down? Obviously they didn't do anything. So, I mean, it has to at least be somewhat negative, but were, again, were there any flickers you saw? Yeah. I mean, like Christina said, at least they didn't roll completely roll over and die, which is, kind of what they did all of yeah. last year. I felt like if they got behind the eight ball at all, it was just like, meh, it's over. Yeah. 
So, I mean, at least they seem to still have some life in them. Um, but something that is like really bugging me and, and I'm wondering how long we're going to sit with this is like, how long is Andrew Benatendi going to sit in that three hole? Mm-hmm. Um, like I've seen people talking to about it on Twitter and things as well. It, he, he just doesn't seem like a three hole hitter to me and he hasn't had a really good start and, you know, um, I don't know. So, and, and we're just not getting much out of Eloy either. So I just feel like that like three and four hole just really kind of just been like dead air, dead weight. Um, and if Luis is going to keep hitting, I mean, the power, so that, Mm -hmm. I guess that is a good thing. The power from Luis, I mean, we've seen two home runs in the last two games, but if there isn't anybody again on base, like Christina mentioned, would have been nice if they're, you know, I, I just feel like, I don't know. It's to me, it seems like we're missing something there with our three hole hitter. Yeah, and it's maybe, I mean, I, I suppose you want to avoid doing too much tinkering, but when Moncada is starting, you know, he came in, I mean, you knew he was probably coming in hot. I know he had his, like, you know, he had the collision, so it's like, oh, is it going to be all right? But, I mean, pretty much hit the ground running at the end of spring training. Uh, you know, he's been consistently mashing really smart opposite field hit that Christina alluded to right at the top, um, you know, hitting it way into the, you know, the hole because the third baseman shade way over, again, whether that was intentional or not. I mean, he can he can mash through, you know, at any point in the infield, but uh, smart hitting. Um, this is stuff we haven't always seen from him. And obviously he is a, quite a flashpoint for the Sox fan base and all you clowns who think that somehow he's not a valuable player. Um, you know, I don't know need to read more or something. I don't know. But, uh, you know, the point is the guy's hitting, uh, moving up on the order wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing. I know you liked to, you like, uh, been in, uh, Tendi's ability to get on base and obviously a swing from the side of the plate. He does, you know, th- that helps and makes you a, a weapon, but yeah, at some point you got, you're hopefully going to be willing to tinker on that note. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what we've seen from, uh, Pedro Grafal. Um, you know, very early, small sample size of him and his manager, uh, and spring training really isn't a way to evaluate too terribly well. Uh, it seems like he's he's held him he's held his own pretty well. Uh, sort of faced up to Dusty Baker at the uh, the end of the game, I think, in the finale uh, there today. Don't know. It seemed like seemed like he did take a little snooze a little bit there. No, I got. I mean, what can you do? Those are rapid fire solo shots, but geez, just just to trot out there, I don't know. Um, you know, I think you get two. You still get two visits, right, before you got to take the guy out. So I, I don't know. Um, I, what, the evaluation of how he's been doing. I mean, that could that could that could have to do with um, the you know the batting order, but you know it could have to do with how he's mixed guys in, or just what you've seen from the guy, and that maybe the, the the spirit of the team has any sense from him. Are, are we feeling pretty good with his sort of early footprint through these first five games, even though just two wins? I think that he's done a pretty good job so far, uh, you know, with a small sample size. Obviously, today, um, I agree. I think that he could have gotten Kopech out there maybe maybe a little sooner. But, you know, like it is, it was pretty much like home run after home run after home run. So you don't expect that to happen four times in a row, basically. Yeah. But um, what are you going to do there? I think the lineup consistency is really great. Um, I agree with Melissa, though. I think I would uh, definitely not hate swapping Benintendi and uh, Moncada right now. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to hold that against his head right now. It's, you know, it's only the fifth game or whatever. So there's still a lot of time for him to manipulate the lineups. And um, I know we Tony did it at every game. So it's kind of nice to be able to see these guys, like, try to settle into their place in the lineup. So, I think he's done a decent job. I do think that maybe in the pitching situations, he's either 
brought in someone that maybe was like questionable for a situation um, or, you know, just leaving someone out there too long. But for the most part, I think I'm happy with him right now. I mean, I, I think he's doing a good job, especially if it's only a fifth game managing. Yeah, to be fair, uh, he might have been managing just to keep Ruiz out of the game. And of course, that did fail. So that might have been why he was holding off. And again, unfair advantage to Griffal. He didn't have the temptation of a Leori Garcia to plug into that lineup every other game. That makes it so much easier compared to the the tough, the difficult task that Tony Ruiz had. Because it's like, this weapon is here. I gotta use the guy. And you know, he just gave in. He just gave in so many times. Uh, your assessment, um, listen, in terms of, um, you know, just what you're seeing from the guy. Yeah, I, I appreciate the the lineup consistency for sure. Um, it, 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 I do like the fact that the guys know like what's expected of them. Mm-hmm. But I also like Romy had been kind of on a hot streak at the end of spring training, and and Elvis has been, mm-hmm. and I, that makes me really bummed because like yeah. he, I just loved him last year, and I was so excited when they signed him, and I mean he has really been mm-hmm. stale in these games, and so. I would like to see pop prop Romy in today, you know, um, and, and give him a start and see what he can do. So while I appreciate that consistency, I also would like to see like, like, can we get a happier medium? <laughs> like yeah. Tony changing it every day and like Pedro keeping it like, mm, this is it. And this is what we're going to yeah. have no matter what um, is, a, is a little, uh, a little more st- stringent than I would like. I would like a little more, a little more flexibility there. Um, yeah, this is, this is the worry we have about El- Elvis, that he's the Oakland A's, you know, Elvis again. And if he is wearing, like, if it's like some sort of weird good luck thing where he's like wearing a Oakland A's t-shirt under his jersey, or he's doing the Michael Jordan where he's wearing like the Oakland A's shorts, cut it, Elvis. Don't do, you got, leave him home, wear sock stuff, wear just tidy whities whatever. That ain't working. Get the a- exercise, the A stuff, because we need you as the White Sox guy, who is like our war leader, having played like five weeks for the team. That's unrealistic, of course. But this also isn't great. This is going to get Lenin Sosa up. This is going to get uh, Romy as the the main guy. Uh, I don't know what it's going to get, but it's definitely not going to get him playing, uh, getting 600 plate appearances for the White Sox this year, because what he brings on defense is great. What he brings certainly leadership. You know, it's great even if he's slumping. I have a feeling he's a guy who's still going to step up with leadership, but it's not that indispensable. It's not Luis Robert indispensable where you can cover right field, you can cover pole to pole, and all right, and then he's going to catch, he's going to catch a mistake here and there at least to hit hit a home run, even if he's hitting two hundred. Uh, Elvis doesn't have that kind of value um, offensive side, so that's a good point. I mean, as weird as it was to see, I mean, it's strange we saw Romy in the opening day lineup, and then it's like, oh, okay, well, he's he's on the team, right? So. A little strange. <laughs> put him on a milk, put him on a milk. Yeah. Card. I mean, you know? I don't, we're, we're nitpicking, but this, you know, it's a podcast. Well, of course we're going to nitpick. Jeez. And they just lost like 800 to three. So yeah. Okay. We're going to nitpick. Sorry, guy. Sorry, White Sox. It happens. Uh, oh, Hey, yeah. Here, let me, uh, here's my, my cheapy, uh, my cheapy punch AJ that, uh, that the White Sox sent me. I, I realize now that, yeah, they probably just gave me like the dump ones, you know, like, like, the, like the ones in case there wasn't overflow demand. And so I got this goofy, um, black and gray one, but I still think it's cooler than the one AJ showed off today. And hey, shout out to AJ. He, he somehow did not run the White Sox into, into the ground during his very brief time in the booth. He's actually was sort of positive. He seemed sort of enthusiastic. I don't know if he could throw first pitch. Maybe it's automatic. You gotta, you gotta be a little sunnier about the team, but boy, what a change. A couple of years ago in the division series, like you never played for the White Sox. That jerk. Well, all right. Maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll welcome you back into the fold a little bit, AJ. We always did love you, but. Man, sass mouth, just like training equal on both teams. You don't got to necessarily bias the socks, but man, quit picking on the socks. Jeez. 
Uh, okay, let's see. We have two more games against you know, <laughs> the worst situation after a 12-3 loss is an off day after that. So the White Sox get to simmer in it for a day, and then they come back for Wednesday and Thursday. Dylan Cease coming back Wednesday. Uh, I'm going to guess, this could be a short answer, I'm guessing we're feeling pretty good about at least getting back one game in this series with Dylan on because he looks untouchable. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think Dylan will be great. I think it's so freaking weird though that they have an off day tomorrow. Like when I someone said that, I did not realize mm-hmm. that that was like in the middle of the series. I'm like, why the hell would they do that? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm excited to. Hopefully, they could just take the rest day, take a lap, <laughs> um, yeah. get Dylan back in Wednesday, and just try to settle back in. I really think that they should just try to move on from this one and take it, you know, and just. It is what it is. Like, yeah, hopefully they don't dwell on it for too long because yeah. if we're only going to score three runs again, then we're really going to be looking like the 2022 White Sox. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Christina um, says, hey, you babies, who cares if you played every day in spring training and you played four games in a row against the World Chance? What are you, you lazy bums? What are you getting a day off for? Yeah, I guess it's a, it's a weather thing. I do think it is pretty traditional. There's always like the opener, so especially in these yeah. bad weather cities. There's always like the, the off day that then you can use, but it definitely doesn't help the White Sox in this series. Uh, Melissa, are you feeling okay about Wednesday, despite what we saw here today? It's When, when it's Dylan Day, it's hard not to feel good about yeah. it, especially with what he did against, you know, the Astros. If he, get, if he gives us three quarters of what he gave yeah. us against the Astros, against the Giants, I think, I think it'll be, we'll yeah. be good to go. So yeah, I... It makes me feel good knowing that actually we have Dylan and then we have Lance for the last two. I feel like we can catch those last two games at the end and then hit the road. Yeah, it sort of matches up nicely our weaker spot, as is being revealed here through the first turn, our weaker spot of the rotation, which makes sense, three, four, five. Come up against the Pirates. Again, not overlooking the Pirates, but I'd rather have them going up against the Pirates than, the I don't know, the Astros or the Twins. Uh, speaking of that, okay, we have, as I was surprised to learn, as I just looked it up during the podcast uh, for this morning, uh, nine of our 12, first 12 games are on the road. Uh, after this series, White Sox go to Pittsburgh, which, okay, and Minnesota, and the turf may have thought out by then. Uh, but that's not an easy draw. White Sox, two out of five so far. So that's 12 games. Uh, what is a reasonable expectation? If you're going to feel good about, say, the next two weeks or the next month of this season, what record do we need of those 12 to sort of be feeling pretty good? Like, all right, you know, tough start, good start, whatever. But I'm feeling pretty good that they're at this mark coming back home uh, to start the rest of April. Uh, uh, Christina, what do you think? I feel like they would need to win like at least seven to like out of that to try to, you know, recoup some of those losses. I mean, the ones against the Astros is kind of like, you know, they, they could have won and that sucks, but you know, they were playing really well. At least uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that they can take some of those games against teams that are really not as strong as the Astros and, you know, perform better. It didn't seem to happen today, but um, the giants are definitely not as like poor of a team as the pirates. So um ideally they can take some of those that are quote unquote supposed to be easy and we talked a lot about the easy part of the schedule last year that ended up being <laughs> the not easy That's part right of the i forgot all about that christina oh my god a nightmare you i'm gonna have a nightmare tonight okay yeah I you're right we did talk about that a lot <laughs> 
a 12 to three loss or 11, whatever it is, 12 yeah. to three loss. And um, yeah, I think that's giving a lot of poor flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. um, I think, I think seven, eight would be awesome. Um, but trying to come back with like a more of a winning record from the road trip, I think would be really helpful for morale. All right. White Sox. Uh, Christina has thrown down the gauntlet. Uh, you got to win five of seven for her to feel good about coming back home 12 games in. Melissa, what is it for you? Is it 500? Is it a game over or two games over like uh, Christina's saying? Uh, yeah, I, well, I, Minnesota is interesting to me. I mean, they have a little bit of momentum here. I know they swept uh, Kansas City in their first series. And so I'm going to kind of keep an eye on them this week because that that series might be a little harder than we mm-hmm. think if they if they continue the momentum. Um, and so that's why I'm just going to go with five, our favorite number as White Sox yeah, fans. Yeah. I'm going with 500. What else could it be? What else could it be, honestly? <laughs> um, you know, if we can if we can get these last two at home and then go and 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 split on the road, we'll be one game over five hundred. Yeah. Um, so I yeah, I think that 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 would be realistic um, to me, and I would be feeling feeling positive about that. Yeah, something about the shell shock of being a fan and having the contention window slam down on your fingers. At this point, it is like lowering expectations. And, and Christine, absolutely, the seven wins and 12 is totally reasonable. But I would probably say six, too, because it's like, just give me reason not to think it's all done. Just give me reason to think it didn't get flushed. Now, last year was frustrating, not because they were 500. There's been a lot of seasons White Sox have been basically a 500 team. It's that the aspiration was like 95 wins. The expectation was it seemed like they were going to just jog backwards into 95 wins and the fact that they were flirting with under 500 or 500 all year is like okay it made it seem like it was just a catastrophic tragedy of a season this year is like okay expectations reset 500 is pretty much the baseline so anything you're hovering around there okay i'll keep watching i mean we all gotta watch but okay i'll keep watching and uh you know hey a little seven wins like hold, hold on now okay playoff tickets okay you know seven wins is enough to make you think especially in this division hey who knows? But uh, yeah, I think we're all sort of on the same page. And it's a safe page, given that somewhere hovering near 500 is pretty much where it's at. And I'm afraid to say in September, we may be talking about the same thing. Uh, just hopefully not. Oh, gosh, if they can just get to 500. But I guess we'll see. That's why that's why we play the seasons. That's why we play a game like a home opener where you don't think there's any chance that it's going to be a 12 to 3 drubbing. But indeed, a, dr- a doleful drubbing it was. The White Sox losing 12 to 3. And... These two fine, fine, fine Southside Sox and Sox Populi personnel decided to muster up the courage, gird the loins to say, hey, listen, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the White Sox after that gut-wrenching loss. So thank you, Christina. Thank you for Melissa, Melissa for, for stepping up and allowing me not just to talk to myself because nobody really wants that. Uh, okay, well, listen, um, I can't tell you when we're going to have a post-game podcast again. I mean, what's the special game coming up? We don't have any necessarily planned. Playoffs are a long, 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 maybe years away. Hopefully not. Uh, no hitter, of course, stuff like that. Of course, we always do. Uh, one hitter, like if Allie Wessel happens to go to another deal and he's one hitter. Well, of course, if, she, if she's kind enough to uh, share some time with me after she gets home, uh, absolutely, we will do a post-game podcast or stuff like that. Otherwise, it's not going to be a routine thing, but... As always, you just stick with Sox Pop. We got tons of stuff rolling out. We got uh, three more uh, minor league uh, podcast previews coming up this week. Uh, we'll get back into our sort of regular schedule of you know regular programming. You know whatever it is, Monday podcast, whatever it's going to be. Of course, visiting a dugout with uh, Crystal O'Keefe. That's rolling. We got two in now, and uh, Pittsburgh's coming up right around the corner. Uh, so. <laughs> 
write it down in your notebook because that's going to be a spicy one. Uh, but yeah, we're going to throw a lot of stuff at you. As always, tons of whether this team proves worthy or not, we have committed to a lot of copy on this team once again. And hopefully it's not all going to be just grumbling and unhappy. Hopefully there's going to be some some happy moments as well. Melissa, Christina, thank you both for joining me. Thank you, everyone out there for listening, watching, whatever it is you're doing. We definitely will be back quicker than you're ready for us, as is always the case. Thank you for joining us on the Fans First Sports Network and Sox Pop, derived from the Latin, Sox Populi. Take care.